Now the next question that I want to address is, is even a little more foundational than the question, what is the Bible about? I'm going to take one step back from there and just ask the question, what is the Bible? In other words, when I, when I hold this book in my hand, this thing, what is it that I'm actually holding? Or when I maybe open up an app on my phone, like the Bible app or the ESV or CSB Bible app, what am I actually looking at? What is the Bible? Now, to answer that fully would require probably a whole nother uh, study, actually. But uh, I just want to make three basic claims about what the Bible is. My goal right now isn't really to prove all of these claims, but rather kind of lay it out on the table. Here are the three basic claims I would make about the Bible that will shape how we approach it in this study. But then I want to make the claim, but not just that, but I want us to think, okay, if that's true, if that is a valid claim, then what? Like, how does that or how should that affect how I read the Bible or how I respond to the Bible when I read it? So let's take the first claim. My first claim is that the Bible is a book, or more specifically, the Bible is literature. Now, to be clear, the Bible is more than a piece of literature, but it's not less than that. The Bible is a well-written piece of literature, and most people would agree with that. But, but here's what we need to think about. If, that, if that's true, that the Bible is a piece of literature, then what? How should that affect how I approach the Bible or how I read the Bible? What could I expect to be in the Bible if it is actually a good piece of literature? For example, when we open the first pages of the Bible and we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whether you're a big reader or not, I imagine you can tell from that single line that this is the beginning of a story. If that's the case, what would you expect to be in any story that you read? Whether it's The Lord of the Rings or Pride and Prejudice or David Copperfield, what, what would you expect to be in any good piece of literature? I, I think we would say, well, there'd be things like characters in the story, right? Some of those characters would be good. Some would be not so good. Some of them will probably change. Some of them probably won't change. Some are going to be really important and central to the story, and others will just kind of be on the outside. Some of them I'll probably like, and some of them I'll probably not like. There, there won't just be characters, though. What else will there be? There's going to be plot. In other words, the story is going to actually have a point. It's going to be going somewhere. Maybe you've read a book or watched a movie and you felt like at the end there was no plot. <laughs> there was no direction to the story and you probably didn't like it because every good piece of literature has a plot. There's going to be things like tension or suspense in a good story. I mean, what's a good story without some tension, without times when you don't know how things are going to be resolved when you feel a little bit of angst. 
about what you're reading or watching. I mean, what's a good story without some places that are written so well that you actually have to stay up a little longer than you intended because you want to find out what happens next? In good stories, there's going to be all that kind of stuff. There'll be climactic moments, and there'll be humor and emotion, and there'll be narrators who like tell the story, and there's going to be characters who dialogue with each other. There's going to be foreshadowing in a good story, like where there's sort of hints about things that are going to show up later in the story, especially if you ever read like mystery novels, things like that, or watch shows like that, like uh, Sherlock Holmes, if you read stuff like that. So whenever we start watching a movie or whenever we pick up a book and we read that first line and we realize we're reading a good story, we bring all sorts of expectations to that piece of literature. Why? Because we have read or watched a lot of stories and we know what makes for a good story even if we've never expressed it, never been forced to articulate what it is. The question then is, do we bring those same sorts of expectations to our reading of the Bible? The Bible is an incredibly good book. It has all the things we're talking about, and the story is masterfully told. But do we read the Bible like this? Do we bring our questions and our expectations and our anticipation and our energy to the Bible? Do we read it for what it is, a well-written piece of literature? Second claim, if the first one is the Bible is a book, the second claim is that the Bible is one book. Now that's the most foundational claim probably for this study, the story of scripture. It's a claim that the Bible is one unified book with one overarching unifying story. Now the in our upcoming uh, talks, I hope to demonstrate that this claim is valid. But the first thing that I want to do right now is I just want to make sure you understand what I'm claiming. By claiming that the Bible is one book, I'm certainly not denying that the Bible is a collection of 66 different books. I'm simply claiming that it's also correct to say that the Bible is ultimately one book. Now, it might be helpful to compare opening up our Bibles with its 66 books to going maybe to your local library and selecting 66 books that are right next to each other in the same section on the library shelves. I want you to think, is the Bible and its 66 books like those 66 books sitting next to each other on the library shelves. Now, if you looked at the ones in the library, I do imagine we would find many similar things in those 66 books since they're all in the same section. They'd probably be about the same general topic. Yet even though those books may all be about history or may all be about science or language or technology, I'm confident that what we would find in those 66 books is nothing like what we find when we read the Bible. See, those books on the library shelves would have different authors, different worldviews, different goals, and much more. And maybe most importantly, those 66 books would not be telling any sort of single unified 
story. In fact, there would be no story at all to those 66 books. And the Bible is not like that at all. The Bible from beginning to end, from creation to the new creation, from Eden to the new Jerusalem, builds on the first few chapters of Genesis and drives all the way through the pages of Scripture to its conclusion in Revelation, when God restores all things to the way they used to be. And another helpful way that I found to compare uh, the privilege it is, really, to be reading the Bible is to, and the way to grasp the beauty and unity of the Bible is just to compare it with the sacred books from other religions. I'm not going to go into detail on this, but if you would compare the Bible on this point of it having a unified story, you would find it to be incredibly beautiful and so different than their sacred books of other religions. But for now, if, if this is true, that the Bible is ultimately one book, what does that mean for how we should read and approach the Bible? At, at minimum, we have to get familiar with the main storyline of the Bible. Then when we're reading an individual paragraph or a chapter of a book or even a whole book of the Bible, we should at least consider how this smaller part relates to, fits in with, or contributes to the bigger overarching story of the Bible. That's part of being a good reader of the Bible, if it's true and valid that the Bible is ultimately one book. Now, the last claim is this, that the Bible is unique. So with the first two claims, I've kind of tried to highlight the Bible's similarity to other books. Since the Bible is a good book, we have to read the Bible like we would read any well-written piece of literature. With this third claim, however, I want us to make sure that my first two claims are not misunderstood. The Bible is also unique. To put that another way, there is no other book in existence like the Bible. So as such, we, we can't just approach the Bible as simply any other book out there. But what does this different approach look like? And how exactly is the Bible distinct from every other book that you've read? Now, more things could be mentioned than this, but here's just four ways that the Bible's unique and just a little bit about how that demands that we approach it in a different way. First distinction is that the Bible is the revelation of God. The Bible unveils God. And that is simply not the case with any other book in existence. With no argument for the existence of God, the Bible simply proclaims from its opening line that there is a God who is there, who is responsible for all that is here. And from the beginning of the Bible to the end, the Bible reveals that God to its readers, especially the things about that God that we would not be able to know in any other way. See, the Bible itself tells us that there are certain things about God that we can perceive and learn apart from the Bible. Things like that there is a God, uh, that he's powerful. But apart from God revealing himself to us in the Bible, 
we could never know God personally. We couldn't have any sort of knowledgeable, meaningful relationship with God. That's why if I'm asked, when I'm asked for my most concise answer about what the Bible is, I would just answer the Bible is the revelation of God. Or to pick up a phrase that's been made popular by other authors, I would answer the Bible is the revelation of the God who is there. But if that's true, if that's a valid claim, the question is how does that shape how we should read the Bible? Like if this book actually reveals God to us, what does that mean for us when we pick it up and read it? When we come to the Bible, I would say we need to lean in with open ears, open hearts, and let God show us who he is, what he's like, what he's up to in this world that he's made. Put simply, when we read the Bible, we need to look for God if the Bible is the revelation of God. <clears throat> the second way that the Bible's different from all other books is that the Bible reveals who I really am. Now, few things are considered more important today than the matter of our identity. Who are we? Even more personally, who am I? We often hear, just be true to yourself. But being true to yourself assumes you actually know yourself. But who are you? How do you know who you are? What makes us who we are? Now, there are, of course, many books, websites, articles that seek to answer these kinds of questions. But one of the foundational claims of this study is that there is no other book that can and will show you who you really are like the Bible. For those of us who've read at least some of the Bible, we realize that what we find out about ourselves in the Bible is both extremely humbling and very uplifting. It's humbling because we come to realize that we are not all that we may think we are. In fact, we are likely far worse than we tend to think we are. Certainly, we're far worse off than most people realize we are. The Bible reveals this to us from its opening pages. But the Bible is equally uplifting about our identity because through the Bible, we come to realize how precious we are to God and how loved we are by the God who made us and by the God who came to rescue us. And so my question is, how should that reality that the Bible reveals who I am shape how I approach the Bible? If the Bible actually reveals us to us, we need to lean in with open ears and let God tell us and show us who we really are, what we're really like, and what our role is in the world that he made for us. Put simply, when we read the Bible, we need to listen for what the Bible tells us about us. Third distinction about the Bible from every other book is that the Bible speaks with God's authority. Now, I hope you like this study. I hope it's helpful for you. But this study 
is not carrying God's authority. It doesn't carry divine weight based on just what I say. Now, only the Bible itself carries divine authority. And there is no book that has that kind of authority. Only the Bible. There's no other book in existence that comes from the heart of God and that speaks to us with the authority of God himself. And that means something radical for our approach to the Bible. When we come to the Bible, we can't just come for merely academic interest. We also can't come with a spirit of, of judgment, as though we have the right to sit above the text and be a judge of the text as to what's true or false, as to what's worth listening to and what's not, as to what will follow and what will reject, as if we're above the Bible. The only way to approach the Bible rightly is to come to it with a humble heart, to put ourselves willingly under the text, to admit that the Bible has authority over us, not us over the Bible. I mean, listen to what God says about this in the book of Isaiah. He says, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite or broken in spirit and who tremble at my word. Now, there is obviously no need for anyone to approach this study or any book that you read uh, from the library in this way. Only the Bible speaks with divine authority. And the last distinction is that the Bible can change the human heart. Books are powerful. Books can stir our emotions, capture our imaginations, change our thinking even to some degree, and even move us to do things we never would have done before. If books couldn't change anything, why would anyone write them? Why would anyone read them? But there is a profound difference between what ordinary books can do and what the Bible can do. Only the Bible can fundamentally transform the human heart. The Bible is alive and powerful. It's able to save and change those who read it. So what should we do when we read it? To use some language of scripture, I might say, as a newborn baby longs for milk, we ought to long for the Bible. You may expect many things to happen from reading and studying the Bible, but never expect to remain the same. Mm -hmm.